0: Wow! Yes,
1: thanks for uh, thanks for joining us.
0: I'm glad you enjoyed my company.
1: Yeah, that's right. Uh, do we have text messages now?
0: We do have some text messages. Let's see what we've got here. All right, just scrolling through here. <laughs> Classic. Um, let me see here. Okay, so Afghanistan: twenty years of war down the drain in two weeks. 300,000 Afghanistan army with American hardware just basically gave up. What do you expect when the President leaves the country with bags of money? Talking about Talk about demoralising a nation. Now the Taliban speaker promises that women's rights will be upheld. I will believe that when I see it. May God have mercy on the yeah. Afghanistan people. And I think we're all kind of in the same um, category there, They're the same boat. It mm-hmm. uh, It's, you know, you look at that whole... Um, You look at the history of the Taliban. They do not have a good history when it comes to women's rights. They have a really terrible history. They don't have a
1: good history in anything.
0: Maybe, maybe this is a new Taliban. Maybe this is a new Taliban that we have underestimated and maybe they have turned over a new leaf. Okay, okay. Everybody gets the right to have a fresh start in life, as does a political organisation, so time will tell.
1: But, uh, like... It's possible. I, I, it's possible. Okay, Come okay. On, possible. They're, they're supporting women's rights, but then, you know, enforcing Sharia law. I'm not saying that, like, you know, like, the purpose of Islam or whatever, you know, I'm not making that, that connection that people in the West often make, that Islam is all about oppressing women, even though there are oppressive elements in there towards women, which we could all agree on. Um, but, at the same time, like, this is, this is, like, I don't know. I don't have sympathy, like... This is a terrorist organization, plain and simple. Like, I, I, I'm going to say that unequivocally. Like, they kill people for their cause. I, I don't care, man. Like, if you've got to champion women's rights, like, you know, if, or if, if they champion any women's rights, I, I see it as a front. Which I don't really, un- which I don't really understand because it has been the Taliban's, you know, in the Taliban's um, best would- interest to make themselves look good to the rest of the world. In the past, this would not have been the case.
0: And this is what's interesting about the Taliban this time around is that they are at least saying the right things, whereas in the past they would just come straight out and be very, very open about the fact that, you know, women were not going to be educated, women were not going to leave their homes without a male relative, women were not going to leave their homes uncovered, you know, all of these kinds of things. Where at least This time they're saying, no, women are going to be educated, women are going to be given opportunities. So at least they're saying the right things. mm So, yeah, interesting. Anyway, mental health, mental issues in children due to COVID easily resolved. Stop the lockdown. Simple as that. The world has gone crazy. Well, maybe not as simple as that. And we've got to remember that quarantine is biblical, lockdowns Mm -hmm. are biblical. Mm -hmm. The question is simply are you going to do quarantine? Are you going to do lockdowns without providing for the mental health of the people? That's right. That's right. This is, this is the issue right here. It's not, you know, and, and maybe we should have lockdowns, maybe we shouldn't have lockdowns, whatever, that's a debate that's going to rage forever. But the issue is if you're going to have them, you need to provide for mental health. Yeah. And you need to give really good guidance. There's so much information out there. I mean, we're awash with information of what not to do right now. Don't do this, don't do that, don't do the other. Mm. These are. But nobody's out there saying you need to get out in the fresh air, you need to be getting sunshine, you need to be working in your garden, you need to be getting away from screens, you need to be watching less of the news. Mm. No one's giving this message. Mm. And so if you're going to have quarantines, if you're going to have lockdowns, fair enough. That's a, that's a valid biblical method of dealing with disease. Whatever. But you can't do that without also providing for people's mental health. And there are some, there is so much that can be done simply by communicating good mental health information. Yeah, that's right. As you eat well, lock down the, lock down the alcohol. Yes. You know, we should have we should have locked down because that's that's going to that always creates massive amounts of depression and social issues and uh, abuse of you know family domestic violence etc. Mm. So we need to we need to shut off that tap immediately. Um, ban smoking because, like, why would you allow people to smoke when COVID is getting around? Mm. Seriously, I'll, you know, this is the best excuse you've ever had. We've always needed an excuse to just come out
1: and ban smoking. We now have it. Let's do it. I want to protecting share, people's lives. I want to share something a little bit personal that I probably wouldn't have shared on 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 radio up until this point, just in relationship to this. So, no, basically, um, well, recently I got a job working for the church, and I've been you know working for the Newcastle Uni Church doing community outreach and whatnot. Before that, um, I was working at a servo, you know, just as, as a casual job. I was working here on radio. I'd go work at the servo in the afternoon, you know, make some money, live live my best life, um, but. One of the things that made me feel particularly uncomfortable and one of the things that drove me to seek other employment, other than the fact that I was really inspired that Jesus is coming back soon and I want to work for him, is um, like at the Servo. So we like have the ePay machine that distributes, um, you know, Optus credit and, and Opal cards and all that sort of, sort of stuff. And one of the options on that as well is that you can um, distribute online cash Basically, like money that's used for gambling in gambling websites, and dude, like, as soon as we went into the initial lockdown where everyone had to wear masks, and it was like, I still had my job there at the sure, point. Servos are still open. Servos are still open. It wasn't the when the um, any movement restrictions came in, but when it was like that that first step of mm-hmm. just like mm-hmm. mask and and you know when they were still like encouraging people like hey, you probably shouldn't work from home. Now it's like, it definitely like, Mm -hmm. you should work from home. Um, But before that step, dude, the two weeks that I was there before I, before my job ended, um, just the exponential increase in people coming in and buying online cash to gamble with (sighs) made me feel, and I, you know, I'm having to give it to them. And and I guess in in my head, you know, I kind of justified it by like we have warnings for all these things. You know, we, discourage people to do it and if they're doing it it's their choice but still it made me feel so uncomfortable and it, it it really like played on my conscience because again like as we're talking about drinking and smoking and all this support that should be offered to people online gambling um because of the lockdowns is is just raging at the moment and it's like it's ruining people's lives like it's one of the most terrible yep. there's so much
0: that we could do for mental health here in australia that we are not doing mm. We're trying to cure the. We're trying to cure the disease. We're trying to cure the symptom rather than curing the problem that creates it in the first place.
1: Yeah, and and like for me, I you know I'm like, man, thank God I got out of that job because I felt so guilty. But at the same time, like I, I just recognize that, man, these people need prayer, like for real. Anyways,
0: okay, next one here is I don't bother watching the news anymore. I feel great and don't carry the weight of the world on my shoulders. Life can be good in spite of all the bad news. Read the Bible instead. Great for mental health. Go you. This, that's like got on the money right hey, there. Man. You know, we probably need to hear the news every now and then for sure. Have a quick catch-up of what's going on. Yeah. We'll, Find out what the latest regulations are so that we don't get a $5,000 fine or whatever. Come listen to Faith FM. We talk about the news. There you go. Problem <laughs> solved. Okay. According to Sharia law, women will be given their rights. The only problem is Sharia law doesn't give any rights to women. It's an interesting discussion because the Quran doesn't take any rights away. mm mm-hmm. Well, depends how you define that.
1: You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio.
0: So really this is one of these issues within Islam which comes down to how you define what the Quran says. I would also say this. And you can you, you get some you can get sorry, sorry you can get some Muslims who define it one way and they have, you know, title rights for women, other Muslims
1: who define it another way and they have no rights for women. Uh, I would I'd would say this. Um it, just in a relationship, because, you know, I've been talking about Afghanistan, Islam, you know, uh, the Taliban, all these different things. I think, like, I think that this situation is, you know, um, really exacerbated and, and made worse by just the conditions of, you know, Afghanistan and how difficult it is to live there. Like, yes. you know, we look at Christian, uh, African Christian countries, right? But, like, it, you know, we were in Ethiopia. And, like, although, you know, for the most part we experience peace there, there are areas of Ethiopia even to this day that are struggling with war so much um, and they're having, like, religiously motivated wars Mm -hmm. between people groups, um, but even between Christian people groups um, because of the the dire conditions there. And I'm kind of like, you know, when it comes to people debating the theology of the Quran and, and whether it's oppressive or whatever, I think, like, you know, you can, you can make those points and do those studies, but what we're seeing is that it's made worse by the conditions that we see in those countries. So, you know, I, I, it's, it's hard to make a judgment call because then I know many Islamic people living in Australia who are doing Really well, you know. Then, then they and even Islamic women living Mm -hmm. in Australia who have immigrated here, um, who are here as students that I've met at the uni and whatnot, who like you know get around uh, uni in their hijab or whatever it may be, and then they're they're all about it. Like they're they're like, yeah, this is fantastic. Like this is my culture. This is what I do. Like I think it's a really good thing. Yep, you know. So yeah, yeah, I guess. Anyway,
0: someone's got upset that you referred to the Taliban as terrorists. Wouldn't America fit the definition too? Uh, as the force and enforce their will upon other countries, we don't always understand what
1: drives motives. Jesus didn't come to condemn, but to save, we need to pray for all these people. Amen. Actually, <laughs> I, I, I saw a meme this morning that was like, it was like on one side, like, oh, Donald Trump's responsible for the uh, yeah, Afghan crisis. On the other side, it's like Joe Biden's responsible for the Afghan crisis. And then underneath was a picture of George Bush smiling. And I was like, oh <laughs> like yeah, like, you know, again, I again I don't really have any skin in the game when it comes to American politics, but it's as we talked about yesterday. Oh, this you has can't been raised. This them. is this is
0: a this is a very valid point right here that's yeah. been raised. Yeah. yeah. This is a very, very valid point that has been raised right there. Because America, Australia none of us should ever have anything to have, have had anything to do with Afghanistan, as we said yesterday. All right, we need to get into our Bible study. We are so far over time. We need to stop talking less about. Ah, let's just go to the Bible. Let's talk about Amen. what the Bible says. All let's right. read. Uh, let's read First Kings. We're going to go to First oh, Kings. So we're nice. finished with the uh, paralytic man. We're going to talk about Elijah this morning, and we're going to talk about depression because that's Ooh. kind of um, been what our subject has been about somewhat today. Mm. So First Kings chapter nineteen, and we're going to start reading in verse
1: one. Let me turn over the pages. First Kings chapter nineteen. Dude, these stories are so epic! Like, there
0: you go. And 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 this is a really important one because you know, based on data from the World Health Organization, the most common common illness worldwide, affecting more than three hundred million people each year, is depression. Mm. Uh, it's the leading cause of disability and a major contributor to the global burden of disease. That's right. And so, you know, often in Christianity, we don't really speak enough about it because we think of depression as, oh, that's something for you know people who are not Christians. Mm. But Christians are vulnerable as well. One hundred percent. Even though we have hope, even though we have a, we are in a much better pres- uh, position than the rest of the world. We are still vulnerable, mm. and. We need to not pretend like well, if you're a Christian, you're never going to suffer from depression because that's just not reality.
1: It's actually it's interesting. We have the the Depression um, DARP or the Depression Anxiety Recovery Program in the Adventist yes. Church. Yes. Um, that was you know created and distributed by uh, Nedley Health Solutions, Neil Nedley, um, Doctor Neil Nedley there, and he was originally like a, a gastrologist, like a, a guy who. Studies the gut and yes, and basically he was a doctor that specialized in that field, helping people with stomach problems. And what led him to becoming then an expert on depression, anxiety, recovery and mental health was that all of his patients that he was fine, you know, that he was helping that had gut problems, pretty much all of them had problems with depression that were enabling that. Yes. Um, and depression and anxiety. And so like even as you mentioned, the burden that it puts on Health systems and whatnot, um, you know, even uh, problems that are outside, you know, health problems that are outside of the realm of mental health are being affected by bad mental health. That's right. And so, this is definitely something that's needed. And as you mentioned before, you know, Christians aren't immune to depression. Uh, aren't immune to depression. You know, this is a program that has come out of our church, like, you know, f- for people in and outside of the church. So, let's read now First uh, Kings 19 and verse 1. The Bible says 1 to 5. Go one, to one to five. Okay. When Ahab got home, he told Jezebel everything Elijah had done, including the way he had killed all the prophets of Baal. So Jezebel sent this message to Elijah. May the gods strike me and even kill me if by this time tomorrow I have not killed you uh, just as you killed them. Whew. Okay. Is that through to verse five or No. Any? It okay, continues on. Elijah was afraid and and fled for his life, he went to Beersheba, a town in Judah, and he left his servant there. Then he went alone into the wilderness, travelling all day. He sat down under a solitary broom tree um, and prayed that he might die. "I have had enough, Lord," he said, "Take my life, for I am no better than my ancestors who have died already." Then he lay down and slept under the broom tree, but as he was sleeping, an angel touched him and told him, Get up and eat. Okay, so here's an
0: interesting story.
1: If we look at the background to this story,
0: and what's really important is to understand the background of this story, Mm. Uh, Elijah has gone to King Ahab, and Elijah has, you know, they're at the end of three and a half years of terrible, terrible drought, like Mm. not a drop of rain for three and a half years, so you can only imagine what the land would have looked like. And Ahab's like, "Yeah, you're the one who's causing all this trouble in Israel because you're the one who said that it wouldn't rain for three and a half years." And Elijah's like, "No, you're the one who is troubling Israel because you're the one who is is worshiping Baal, the god of thunder and rain, and Baal has deserted you. Well, Baal doesn't even exist, so you know, you're the one who has left off from serving God, and hence we have this terrible drought that is afflicting the land." And so then Elijah says, you know, call together the entire nation. Now, you would expect that Ahab would have just executed Elijah on the spot because, you know, Mm. this is public enemy number one. The problem is that Elijah is the one who carries the keys to reign. Because Elijah said, it's not going to rain again except at my word. Well, it hasn't rained and Elijah hasn't given his word and this is the dire situation that they find themselves in. And so Elijah says, look, gather the entire nation on top of Mount Carmel. And so the entire nation is gathered on top of Mount Carmel and uh, the Elijah says, look, let's build two altars and let's basically have a showdown. Mm. If Baal is God, let's serve Baal. If God is God, then let's serve God. And so Elijah is there? He builds an altar. There's what 800 prophets of Baal who are there, and they build themselves an altar, and they both sacrifice a bullock. The prophets of Baal do theirs first. They put it on the altar, and then they and and, and Elijah basically says, "Look, don't light the fire. The God who answers by fire, He's God." And so the prophets of Baal they they do their incantations. They yell. They scream. They dance. They jump up and down. Uh, they do self-harm. They do all kinds of things to try and get Baal to come and light fire under his altar, mm. and nothing happens, and they do this all day long. And Elijah mocks them, and he's like, well, you need to yell louder. Maybe he's gone on a journey, or maybe he's gone to sleep. <laughs> you know, you need to wake this guy up and get him over here because nothing is happening. And, of course, you know, you've got these prophets of Baal who keep trying to sneak fire under their altar. It's just not happening and Elijah has to keep a rather close eye on them and then he waits until the evening they're all exhausted they're worn out they're suffering from blood loss they they're, they're just done in and mm. just you know hoping that Elijah's god fails as well and Elijah prays a simple quiet prayer and fire falls from heaven before that of course he gets a lot of water now this is probably why they went to mount carmel because it's near the ocean and they would have been able to access water and he Literally drowns his entire sacrifice. He digs a ditch mm. around the base of the altar. He drowns it with water so that, you know, no spark is ever going to light anything on that. It fills up the ditch. And then he does it again. And then he does it a third time. I and mean, this thing is just saturated with water. The Bible says that fire falls from heaven when Elijah prays a simple prayer. It burns the sacrifice, it burns the wood, it burns the stones of the altar and licks up the water in the trench. Mm. You know, this sounds like you know, rather than pouring water on it, he's poured petrol on it. Well, something that burns a lot hotter than petrol because it's turned those stones to molten lava. And there's a great victory for God and for Elijah at this particular point. And then, of course, it begins to rain after Elijah prays. Mm. So this is a massive victory for Elijah, and God has come through supernaturally. This is.
1: You're listening to the Breakfast Joe podcast on Faith FM. Positively different.
0: Yeah! Wow! Amazing. Um, Christopher has texted through with uh, this one right here. Good morning, Brecky team. I've been living with depression before discovering the truth of God's love, and still live with it now. Mm. One thing God has given me is the ability to handball. When I have feelings of not wanting to live anymore, I handball the situation to God and let him deal with it because my mind is unable to. God always comes to my rescue. God bless you all. And God bless you too. Uh, Chris, uh, it's encouraging to have a a, a message of hope and courage uh, such as this that you are sharing with us this morning. And uh, Chris is dealing with um, some traumatic injuries at the moment and so we wish him all the best and our prayers are with him in a very, very special way uh, at this time. So uh, did we have another one here? I think we've covered our text messages. Okay, all right, let's uh, get back to our story. We've got Elijah on top of Mount Carmel, and he prays for rain. He sees a cloud that is the size of a man's hand, Mm -hmm. and as a result of that he turns around to Ahab and says, you better hurry and get down off the mountain, else the rain will stop you. Now, yep. they haven't seen rain for three and a half years, and there's this tiny speck of cloud on the horizon. And, of course, uh, you know, any normal person would be like, yeah, well, that's not going to rain. But Elijah steps out in faith, and he leads Ahab's chariot down off the mountain. Now, this, of course, is after they've killed the 800 prophets of Baal. Because they, they failed. They lost. Their God is, their God is proven to be nothing. And so they are killed. And then he leads Ahab's chariot through the rain and it dumps with rain. And he's so exhausted at the end of that day. And you can imagine the emotional exhaustion of a day like that. Yeah. You know, he just crashes outside the gate. He's just laying there in the mud, sound asleep. When someone comes and wakes him up and says, Jezebel's going to kill you tomorrow. Mm. Now, does he have anything to fear from Jezebel?
1: There's already been threats on his life, right? Yes.
0: For three and a half years he's lived under threat of death.
1: Yeah. Uh, Has
0: God demonstrated on that particular day his power to be able to protect Elijah? Yeah. You know, we all know and understand God's power to be able to protect us. Mm. But we've never seen fire come down from heaven. No. We've never seen rain come like that in answer to prayer. Yeah. We've never had the experiences that Elijah had. We've never seen rocks that have been burned and vaporized by the power of God. Mm. We've never seen any of these things, but Elijah has, and he's seen them in one day. Wow! You know, Elijah should be at this particular point, like, uh, "Let me roll over and go back to sleep again. I'm tired. Why are you here?" <laughs> you know, that should be the reaction he's having because he knows and understands that God is. More than powerful enough to be able to save him and to save his life. Mm. However, he runs and he falls into deep, deep depression. Yeah. And uh, there are some lessons that we can learn from this, some lessons that we need to learn from this. Before we do, um, we need, I've got some more text messages coming through here. Let me just see what we've got. This one's from Braden. Mm uh, I doubt the governments would ever ban alcohol or smoking. There is too much money involved, as with governments and medical all are too busy trying to solve people 's problems by dealing with the symptoms because dealing with the causes is too difficult and there's a lot of truth to that and so then the responsibility comes back on us to deal with the um to deal with the causes mm. rather than the symptoms. Okay so going back to text messages again here the ta- Vincent says the Taliban is quite efficient at growing poppies and cannabis hmm well that's actually interesting because they were the ones who stopped it last time hmm so you know hopefully they will stop it again
1: hmm that's
0: right now are they are they good at growing it yes No question about that. Have they grown a lot of it uh, since America took over? Yes, indeed they have. Have they made a lot of money out of it since America took over? Yes. What do we say? Like $6 billion, $5 Uh, billion or something ridiculous like that? Something enormous. Yeah. Uh, But is it possible that they could come back to power and do what they did back in the year 2000? Well, we can only hope so. Uh, Yeah. In in the year 2000. They banned it and, uh, and completely destroyed that entire industry. Anyway, back to the Bible study. Uh, we've got Elijah here. He's running for his life. He has no reason to run for his life, but he's fallen into depression. Mm. And the question that comes to us, you know, Elijah's place to run was the desert. Yes. Not such a bad place to go. Not the best idea, but you could do worse. Mm. The question is when you fall into depression, where do you run to? mm It's not so often that we find people today who run to the desert when they fall into depression. Typically people today run to the bottle Mm. or run to recreational drugs or run to their screens or run to pornography or run to gambling or run to food. These are the areas that people typically run to today. Mm. And... uh, all of these things, it's almost like the brain is intentionally trying to kill itself because it's all of these things that are only going to exacerbate depression mm. rather than running. You know, and, and, and the interesting thing is that even when we do run to all of those things, is God still there? Yeah. When Elijah runs out into the wilderness, is God still there? Yes. Absolutely. And so if you've run to the wrong place, God is still there. Mm. He's still going to speak to you in a still, small voice. Yeah, that's right. He's not necessarily going to speak to you with fire from heaven that's going to vaporize stone. Mm. But if you're dealing with depression today and you're struggling with those kinds of thoughts, honestly ask yourself the question, is the still, small voice of God still there, Mm. still telling you somewhere in the back of your mind to keep going, to keep living? Mm. And that there is hope definitely, absolutely, that still small voice never ever leaves us uh regardless of you know how how terrible the depression mm. might be, and sometimes it can be very faint to hear.
1: But it's there. And whether it's a still small voice or, you know, God speaking through a person to us who he has sent. Uh, and and that's what I can attest to in, in my life personally, you know, not being a Christian, struggling with depression and then becoming a Christian and finding hope in Jesus. And, you know, God helping me overcome those things, it was through Yes, his spirit working in my life, but also, you know, him sending people to me. So like and and becoming a part of a church family and just being very blessed in that sense. So we we at Faith FM would definitely encourage you to do that too. Yes,
0: absolutely. So we're gonna come back tomorrow and we're gonna talk about the big high that Elijah was on. Mm. And we're also going to look at the PTSD that he would have been suffering. Yeah that's I right. Look for some of the actual reasons for why he was so vulnerable to depression because there are lessons there to be learned as well.
1: You're listening to the Breakfast Show podcast on Faith FM, positively different. Oh. Question
0: of the day.
1: All right, our question of the day today is a bit of a run-on from yesterday's question, a bit of an extension of yesterday's question, which is yesterday's question Question was essentially like, do kids have the ability to, you know, are they accountable for their actions when it comes to their salvation, uh, which you answered, uh which basically, you know, God deals with our, our ignorance and whatnot. Um, today's question is an extension of that, and it is that, okay, so... What if then you willfully, as a parent, made your children ignorant of what the Bible said so that they would never have those convictions and then not live up to them and then they would be, you know, saved? Yeah, in other words, if you burn all the Bibles
0: and extinguish anything that gives any knowledge of God, you are held accountable for what you know, so therefore know nothing. Yeah. Or, or, or teach your children to know nothing, and thereby uh, make it easier for them to be saved. Mm. Okay, so there's a whole a whole slew of problems with this question. Uh, so many that I don't even know where to begin. So, but let me just start with this. The first is that it's a question that, in and of itself. Uh, and and I appreciate this is a genuine question, but it's a question in of itself that uh, portrays an attitude towards God that is an unhealthy attitude towards God because it is built around the assumption that God is uh that God's laws are arbitrary and that God is just trying to keep us in subjection to himself and that life would be easier without God's laws and that God is somehow trying to keep people out of heaven rather than get as many people into heaven as possible. And so God has made it hard for us to get into heaven by giving us a law, whereas if he hadn't given us a law, he would have made it easy for us to get into heaven. Now, there's so many problems there, I don't even know where to begin. But God is not in the business of keeping people out of heaven. God is in the business of giving his life so that he can get as many people into heaven as he possibly can. And uh, the reason for and so okay, what would you want to do? Do you want to get rid of the law of God? If you get rid of the law of God from your children, then essentially what you're saying is, I want to destroy the lives of my children. Because God's law is a law of protection, a protection from the evils and the thing and you know everything that will destroy a person's life. Why would you want to take that away from your children? Why would you want to have salvation when you have such a miserable life, even if this was the case? Jesus says, if you love me, keep my commandments. God's law is all about love. Uh, That's uh, John 14, verse 15. In Romans 13, verse 10, the Bible says love is the fulfilling of the law. And so essentially what you would be doing is if you remove the law so that your children can be ignorant of the law and never have a conscience and therefore never be held accountable for what sin is, You're removing love out of the equation. The Bible says love is the fulfilling of the law. Do you really want your children to live and to exist without love? Uh, First John 5 and verse 3, again, for this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not grievous. His commandments are amazing. This is the best way that you can ever live your life. This is how you live your best life, is by living the commandments of God. And so there's a whole bunch of problems right there because it would be just so incredibly destructive to get rid of the law of God that teaches us what sin is. Then there is this, and this is something that you need to take into account. God does not just hold you accountable for what you know. God holds you accountable for what you have the possibility of knowing. In other words, I've had people who have at times said, look, don't tell me any more about the Bible because the more I learn about the Bible, the more accountable I am going to become to follow what the Bible says, as if somehow following what the Bible says is going to make their life harder. Now, how people compute that, I don't understand, but following the Bible is just always going to make your life so much infinitely easier. This is a God of love. That's what the whole Bible is all about. And when we follow the Bible, that's what we will experience. But the Bible says that you know we're not just held accountable for what we know. We are also held accountable for what we are given the opportunity to know and therefore reject. So if God comes to you with the Bible and you say, look, I'm not going to read the Bible, then we're accountable for everything that there is in the Bible. And finally, of course, the Bible says, and you'll find this in Romans chapter 2, that the Holy Spirit speaks to... Every person. So there are some people, there are in fact a lot of people who have lived their entire life here on this earth and never heard the gospel story and never heard the Bible story. And the Bible says that the Holy Spirit has preached to, has spoken to every single one of them to call them to repentance as well. So it makes no difference whether you get the Bible or not. God is still going to reach out to you and the reason he's going to do that is because he loves you and he wants you to have a great life and the best life that you can ever live is by being a follower of God. Thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1-800-FAITH-FM.